It gives me great pleasure to be here tonight to induct Paul McCartney into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Thank you, America. Thank you, Neil. I love Neil. Okay, this is like brilliant for me. It's brilliant stroke sad, of course. Yeah, I would like my baby to share this with me. She wanted this. Yeah. But it's beautiful, you know, she's beautiful, it's all beautiful, and we're cool. Okay, listen, so really what I just want to say, what, what we want to say is, I love rock and roll, because it made my life. I love Cleveland, because Cleveland gave me Linda's mom, who was from Cleveland. And I love New York, because New York gave me Linda. So I want to say to you all, thank you very, very much. And uh, this one's for you, baby. Weeks when they was fab. I'm Ed Chen, and I'm John Stone. Well, let's see. Uh, the McCartney tickets went on sale. I learned that I hate Ticketmaster even more than I thought I ever could. Well, they work hard. Yeah, you know this business of putting surge pricing on tickets that are on sale during a pre-sale is just a little bit ridiculous. The whole system's messed up, and in a country that supposedly is anti-monopoly, I don't understand. Ticketmaster's control over the tickets and the venues. Literally to sit there and see tickets appear and disappear and reappear minutes later at double and triple the price they were just 15 seconds ago. It's like, oh, well, someone's making money. I mean, I can certainly see what they're doing to try and discourage the scalpers, but they're not helping the actual ticket buyers any by doing so. Anyway, I did... Courtesy of the McCartney List sale, I did manage to get a pretty nice floor seat at face value for Orlando, Florida. I have some friends in Orlando, and it's the holiday weekend, the Memorial Day weekend, so that seems like a nice time for a weekend trip. Well, all right. So when we do the uh, review of the McCartney show, you'll be doing a solo show. (laughs) (laughs) you are not going to florida the dallas tickets were ridiculous because not only did you have 
everything else, you had the fact that that's a fairly small venue. Hot on the heels of the Disney Plus release of the Peter Jackson helmed eight-hour documentary Get Back, Sir Paul McCartney has announced his first tour date since 2020. And, wouldn't you know it, Fort Worth is one of the 13 lucky cities the ex-Beatle will grace with his presence. The show, which will undoubtedly become one of the hottest tickets in town, will take place May 17th at Dickey's Arena, and tickets go on sale Tuesday, February 22nd via Ticketmaster. I said at the end of the last tour that I'd see you next time, McCartney said in a press release. I said I was going to get back to you. Well, I got back. Well, there you go. I'm going to miss it. So a little postscript to our show last week on the Coliseum. When they were talking about the aftermath, the son of the former owner of the Coliseum had the following to say, My father had run one ad in the paper and the concert sold out. He was so stunned that a group he'd never heard of before sold out. It was such an unusual event, and it was such a windfall. He took the profit and used it to buy my mother a brand new Lincoln Continental convertible for her birthday. We came home from school, and he said, the Beatles brought that for your mother. A new car. That's great. Not just a car, a Lincoln Continental. That is so great. Somebody else made a good thing off of the Beatles. And there was no Ticketmaster at the time. <laughs> right. So people actually paid $2 for a ticket. All right. So what are we going to talk about today? We're going back to one of those chestnuts of Beatles podcasting, the one that everyone gets around to sooner or later, but we'll hopefully we'll have our own spin on it. Yeah. Are we late to the party? There's some certain things that everyone will talk about sooner or later, and they left such a wide opening for us. Well, and it's, Yes. The question that we are asking is, A, does Wings deserve to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? And then B, well, did they make a mistake when they inducted Paul in 1999 as a solo artist? Roll the tape. Without the Beatles, rock and roll as we know it would not exist. Without Paul McCartney, there would have been no Beatles. In a single year, McCartney wrote and recorded Hey Jude, Blackbird, Helter Skelter, The Long and Winding Road, Let It Be, Get Back, and still had time to knock off Come and Get It back in the USSR and Maybe I'm Amazed. With his solo career, McCartney continued to dominate radio. He wrote big ballads like My Love, rock and roll hits like Junior's Farm and Jet. He even got banned by the BBC for the political message of give Ireland back to the Irish. And he continues to push himself forward creatively. With Liverpool Oratorio and Standing Stone, he moved into classical composition, while the acclaimed Flaming Pie showed his rock and roll heart is still beating strong. Sleep, little willow. His partner in all of this was his wife, Linda. Theirs was a great love story. McCartney always maintained that his greatest accomplishment was not the Beatles or his knighthood or being the most successful songwriter of the century. His greatest accomplishment was the family he and Linda raised. With John Lennon and then with Linda, Paul McCartney has remained true to one message above all others. In the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make. Not 
that there was anything wrong with inducting him in 1999, but he has had 23 additional years of releases, several number one albums, and while not number one singles, he has had top 10 singles in that interim. So we're going to talk about Wings being in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Exactly. And if they had done it correctly, that induction in 99 probably should have gone to Wings. Well, he was a solo artist before he was a Wings. Well, this is true. There were two records before Wings Wildlife. Right, and singles. And Ram was sort of half a Wings album. And the procedure, I mean, when he'd play us a song, we'd work out our parts. It was just, Paul would play either guitar or piano and a pilot vocal. Spinoza or McCracken would be the guitar player and me, and we would just work out the song, find our parts. He didn't dictate parts by any means. He let us, gave us full free reign to find our parts and then start doing takes. And we usually had a song done by 2.30, 3 o'clock, go break for lunch, and sometimes he'd let us go early, and it was amazing. It was and that parlayed into at some later stage, right? That parlayed into you going on the road with... Yeah, well, a couple months after Ram was out, he called and said, uh, would you like to uh, come to England and uh, hang out? Bring your wife, go take a little vacation. So we're over there, and he says, I miss playing in a band, so want to join a band? Let's put a band together. I said, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm working 18 hours a day in New York, so it was a hard pace to keep up with. And I said, oh, this is going to pay a lot of money, too. So um, that's it. Let's go. And I packed everything up in New York, moved to London. We formed Wings, started recording and touring and all that stuff. And it's supposed to be a... Okay. He had the idea of Wings. He was recruiting players with the idea of, well, maybe we'll do a band a- after this. Right. But if Denny Lane was a integral part of Wings, then it didn't really start until he was part of it, in, in my view. That's certainly fair. And the band would not call themselves Wings until after Denny joined and after the Ram Sessions. Right. So there's about a 10-year period. Well, nine-year period, 71 to 80. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll get to that because, I mean, we're going to take several side trips into Wings things. Wings things. While we're having this discussion. Well, the reason that I covered that is that he started off as doing solo projects, and then there was about nine years with Wings, and then 30 years as a solo artist again. So... Or if he got inducted in 1999, let's say they're 20 years as a solo artist again. So inducting him as a solo, I can see, because that was the biggest part of his career at that point. They don't necessarily do it chronologically. Yeah, I mean, they kind of do. Well, you have to have be so many years away from... 25 years since your first release is their initial criteria. Right. And Solo McCartney, well, okay, yes, you had the pre-Wildlife releases, but particularly when you consider that Ram was not hugely well-received, even at that time, it took well into the aughts for people to turn around and realize what a great album Ram actually is. Because I have seen people through the years say, my favorite album, man, Ram, I love that album. But so it's nice to revisit it. Ram didn't get the accolades that it deserved at the time, but it did have successful singles around it. 
Uncle Albert Admiral Halsey. That was a big hit record. And Another Day was a, a pretty big record. Right, yes, it was. My group broke up. Same happened with Dave. This group broke up under tragic circumstances. Uh, and so then the question is, what do you do now? Me, I'm going to name my new group, and I call them Wings. Dave's got the same problem, and he's got to think of a name for the group. So he comes up with Foo Fighters. <laughs> And tonight, you're going to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And, and I mean, it's not just it's not just any Hall of Fame. And part of the reason why we're talking about this, there are 26 artists who have been inducted into the Rock Hall more than once. And that does include each of the four Beatles, although Ringo's solo induction is not as an artist, but is, is as a musical contributor. Which is, you know, the distinction is a little bit weird. Really? Yes. So Ringo was not really inducted for his solo career? That's really weird because he had hit records, some of which he wrote. Indeed. I'm not at all certain what the Rock Hall is thinking. The Sports Halls of Fame, or at least the major professional Sports Halls of Fame, Nobody hasn't been inducted more than once. It's not against their rules, but they have made it a policy that you get inducted once, even if you're inducted as a player, and then you go on to have a you know tremendous career as a coach or a manager, they're not going to induct you a second time. Makes sense. Tina Turner's struts and soaring vocals began turning heads in the 1950s. Today, she joined the most diverse and female-filled group of performers ever inducted including the iconic Carole King. You make me feel. She and Turner became the second and third women to enter the hall twice. Both had already been inducted in partnership with their ex-husbands. I also kind of understand the rock halls. Oh, well, you're, you're in different bands, but really? Yeah, that's kind of weird. Of those 26 artists, only one has been inducted more than two times. I want to send respect out to the only person to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame three times. It is my honor, my pride, my joy to induct Eric Clapton into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Eric Clapton's induction into the Rock Hall as a solo artist, to my mind, is a little bit questionable. Because? Not for his performance, but because, you know, he'd already been inducted as a part of Cream. But as a solo artist, you know, he was... Prolific and long-lived. Long-lived and prolific, we're back to McCartney's solo as opposed to Wings. He was both long-lived and prolific in each of those incarnations, as it were. Right. Uh, Eric hasn't even been inducted for Derek and the Dominoes. Yeah, one album. So, I mean, there's at least two or three more. He could do John Mayle and then... uh... I guess he did the Yardbirds, right? Yeah, that's the three. The Yardbirds and Cream and right. then Solo. And then what about Blind Faith? Do you get it inducted for every project you ever worked on? <laughs> well, and then they don't necessarily even follow those rules. Springsteen was nominated and got in by himself. And then several years later, they inducted the E Street Band. Right. 
So, you know, what's the street band without Springsteen? <laughs> yeah, they've, all, all those great albums. Exactly. As I've said before in reference to Clarence Clemens, I told a story with the E Street Band that was and is bigger than I ever could have told on my own. And I believe that that, that settles that question. For that is the hallmark of a rock and roll band. The narrative you tell together is bigger than any one of you could have told on your own. That's the Rolling Stones. That's the Sex Pistols. That's Bob Marley and the Whalers. That's James Brown and his famous Flames. That's Neil Young and Crazy Horse. So I thank you, my beautiful men and women of East Street. You made me dream and love bigger than I ever could have without you. The whole policy is a little bit weird. And I mean, of course, a lot of that has to do with the guys behind it. Jan Winter, he definitely shapes the hall to his own tastes. Well, he had been involved in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in quite some time, you know, directly involved. Um, well, he's on the board still, isn't he? But he's not in charge. Or- I, he still has influence. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, people still to this day say that it's Jan Winter that's keeping the monkeys out of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I just think that's silly. Um, you know, the, the thing about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, it's a wonderful organization, but it's a private organization. It is like a golf club or something. These, these uh, three gentlemen originally said we want to start a private club. We're going to call it the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and we're going to let in who we want. And like a golf club, they have every right to do that. You know, it's not a democratic popular vote or record sales or every person in the record and music industry voting. No, it's a private club. And they have the right to let in who they want or not. Well, and I hear the same thing with regards to Wings. They say that for some reason he doesn't want Linda to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I mean, it's a little bit weird, but... (laughs) Right. But even from the artists, now, Denny Lane, who has been inducted as a member of the Moody Blues, was Denny Lane really involved with the Moody Blues, the act that changed rock and roll, or at least was so influential that they deserved the spot in the rock hall? Well, there's a good question, because I would say no. I mean, Go Now is a good song, nice song. When Denny was inducted with the Moody's, he said, no, I don't think Wings belongs in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Because it was Paul's project? That's his main point of view, it seems. But, you know, he goes back and forth on that as well. Yeah, and he did include Denny in songwriting at times. Denny co-wrote Mole of Kintyre. Yeah, and quite a few songs on the uh, London town. And one of my favorite songs off of Been on the Run, No Words. And then on Speed of Sound, he gave one to Jimmy McCulloch. And, I mean, he spread it around some. So he was more prolific than everybody else, I assume. And maybe he just had the ultimate power of decision. Well, he certainly had Paul's ear. Yeah. Whether that is a good thing or a bad thing with regards to 
is Wings a real group? You had pointed out how much of the Beach Boys writing came down to Brian Wilson. Right. And Brian Wilson always collaborated for the most part with a variety of people, but clearly it was Brian Wilson. And, you know, at least Wings played for the most part on all of their own records. I mean, you know, they did invite people in just like, well, the Beatles invited people in, but the Beach Boys, the instrumentation during the 60s, during the period that they were making hits, was provided by, well, the Wrecking Crew. Right. They stopped playing their own instruments pretty early on. I know this is a tangent, but there's a definite decision made that Brian would stay home and work on the records and the Beach Boys would go out and perform. Brian had to work with musicians, so he got the best and made great records. So the Beach Boys never were going to be in on that after a certain point. As it relates to what we were just talking about with regards to the Monkees. Yeah. I mean, you know, the Wrecking Crew was doing the music on most of those early Monkees records. Yeah, and often Nesbeth would get people from Nashville to come play. Think about all the Simon and Garfunkel records. Those are all Wrecking Crew. Although they never pretended that they were actually doing the performing. You know, they said, we're the singers. Right. But, I mean, you know, that's kind of a difference to the question of were Wings a real band or were they just McCartney's backing band? They really were a real band. Uh, And, you know, even like his current band or, or Lumpy Trousers in the 90s, the Wings was more of a band in each of its incarnation than either of those. Right. Okay, you just you just threw a phrase at me. I have no idea what you're talking about. Lumpy trousers? Yes. You know, they never named the flowers in the dirt through you know, when Paul stopped with, ha- with Hamish and with Rick. Hamish and, and Robbie and right. uh, Linda and Wicks. So internally they referred to it as Lumpy Trousers. Okay. That was their joke name for the band. Okay. And now, over to the rehearsal studio. Thank you guys and gals for this card I have just opened. Thank you. I'd like to thank the members of Lumpy Trousers. I feel a lot of love in this room. Hey, I don't want to tell you. It's coming from you, babe. Paul would occasionally throw out these references to lumpy trousers, and well, it's as good a name as any. I guess, except I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't take that name home to mom. <laughs> well, but Linda's in the band, so. <laughs> she could have come up with it. <laughs> Entirely possible. That's not quite either dirty enough or anything that would get people too riled up these days that I think it needs to be stricken from the record. (laughs) Right. Well, the other thing about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is whether it really is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. People have been inducted into it that have a very tenuous connection with rock or rock and roll. It has evolved into popular music hall of rap and R&B and hip hop have all sort of 
taken a place in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Right. Although, you know, uh, uh, African-American artists would tell you that if you weren't in the 50s, you know, the Rock Hall doesn't really want to listen to you. And it's only been recently, you know, again, in the post-Yon Winter era of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, that they have been at least a little bit more willing to induct these people. Right. It's a question. And it, it remains a question, but you look at popularity, which is certainly one thing that they look at. Wings was a big band in the 70s. It's true. It was really focused on kind of a pop sense. There was Elton John, and there was Wings, and then there was kind of everyone else until the Bee Gees. I'm like a lot of people. When you get in your car, you turn on the radio, and you want to hear some good sounds, you know, and if you've got a really good radio station that gives you, which there's not a lot of, but if you if you get a really good station, that's the kind of stuff I love, you know, I love to hear a great new track from Stevie Wonder, so, so that's the kind of stuff I'm into. So whenever I write, I write for that, you know, I don't, I, sometimes I'll write like to try and write a hit, sometimes I'll write to try and not write a hit, but uh, just popular music seems to me like where it's at. Um, you look at the 72 wings, the, particularly the live sets, which we just got a couple years back on uh, the Wildlife Deluxe reissue, that band rocked pretty hard. Yeah, but nobody heard that band, really. Well, I agree with you. It's only now that we actually hear what they sounded like live. I think you have to kind of deal with what is coming at you on record. Because I didn't know what the band sounded like. I know they played Little Richard. and It was more of a rock band, but what they released was not so much. Tell me the rock song on Wildlife. Both Wildlife and Red Rose Speedway are not hard-rocking albums. Right. I'm going to say some things here that may sound like I don't like Wings, but th the fact is I do. So don't send me letters or anything. Wings was a pop band. They were not a rock band. You could almost count the number of rock songs they did on a couple of hands. I'm looking at my list. Rock songs by Wings. I mean, High, High, High is certainly a, a good rock song. And Give Ireland Back to the Irish. So is, is that a rock song? I don't know. Maybe. You know. No, I, I would not say that's a rock song. That's uh, a protest song. Yeah. It had some of that rock and roll spirit, but it's not a rock song. And then The Mess, which was the B-side of My Love. Which is a fun rock record, yes. Yeah. And I'm kind of upset that they never actually did a proper version of it uh, on record. But then you have a few things on Band on the Run. Uh, Helen Wheels, which is a pop rocker. Yeah. In 1985. 1985. Band on the Run was mid-tempo rock. And then Let Me Roll It. Yeah, which, of course, everyone accuses as being Lennon-esque. It is, only, I think, because Let Me Roll It and, what is it? Is it Meat City? has the same riff. But it's John who stole the riff. Well, Let Me Roll It was first. Yeah, but is it? He may have put it out first, but I would say since they both knew it, it was something they both played together. It may well have been some leftover from the Beatles. Yeah, just something they would play now and again. And then on Venus and Mars, there's Rock Show, which is certainly 70s rock, <laughs> and Letting Go. 
And in the interim here, I mean, uh, we cannot forget the McGear album, which of course was Jimmy McCulloch's first bit of Wings playing. Yeah. Having re-listened to that album, that's the hardest rocking thing they ever did, I think. There's more rock songs on it than on any Wings album. Um, and some really fine work. So what was being presented on record was not rocking at all, particularly the first two albums. But is rocking necessarily a part of being in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Pop artists and doo-wop, Dion and the Belmonts, those sorts of artists were being inducted. Right. Do you think the fact that Wings did change members so frequently hurts them as far as any consideration they might have ever had of being in the rock hall it's like oh well you know they are just sidemen if for example the wings over america lineup had been the one that stayed through 1980 might the rock hall looked at wings a little bit differently well that's a valid point you know the the ebb and flow of the various players makes it less of a band and more of a project but you know the truth is is that the core membership of denny lane paul mccartney linda mccartney never changed i think you're right that it probably hurt but it's still that core membership and it is in fact those three voices together which really dominates the wing sound from beginning to end yeah something sounds like a wings record because it has those three voices on it together your father as bold as a sergeant major well how come he told you that you were hardly old enough yet and jets i thought the major was a lady suffering yet Was it Lawrence Juber who said that Wings should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but they wouldn't play together because Linda's not there. She is such an important part of what Wings was that it wouldn't be the same. Of the other members who commented, Lawrence and Denny Sywell have both said that they are big backers of, well, Wings belongs in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And both of them, you know, they've sort of countered Denny Lane's comments it's like well no wings were actually a real band paul would give us room to play what we wanted to play but he would also come in and change things if it wasn't his vision of his songs right i recall a story about lawrence juver and denny lane getting into a near physical conflict over a guitar lead so they may not be the best of friends (laughs) (laughs) well this is true well they have played together since have they? Well, several members of Wings have shown up and played with the house band at Beetlefest. Well, that may be an issue too. Like if you, Wings get inducted, how many people are going to show up? Well, I mean, <laughs> uh, unfortunately, uh, a lot of them aren't with us anymore. Yeah, the McCulloughs. It's not McCulloch and McCulloch. It's McCulloch, <laughs> O-U-G-H and McCulloch. Right. Because everyone gets that confused. They do indeed have different last names. 
I'm from Texas, so it all... (laughs) (laughs) Well, so am I. So both of them, Linda's gone. Joe English, uh, he's still with us, but he wants nothing to do with rock and roll anymore. Although, you know, if you're getting an honor, people tend to show up. He's a big uh, religious guy these days. I see. Well, that would be arguing that, what, Jesus doesn't like rock and roll? I don't know. Go find Joe English and ask him. We're not doing a Reverend David A. Noble show. <laughs> what that guy had against the Beatles, uh, to, to go off on a, just, just a minor tangent, it was before Bigger Than Jesus, and he held that grudge all the way to his death. I saw one of his pamphlets from like the late 80s, and it's like, you're still at it? Popular culture is a target for those kind of people. So Back to our topic at hand here. Who's left in wings? Well, there's Paul, there is Lawrence Juber, there's Steve Holly, Denny. Denny Sywell. Paul and I got together one day. I had this song, he put the harmonies to it, and it turned out to be a sort of a rockabilly. Actually, I did put a bit of Spanish guitar in it just to confuse everybody. So they couldn't peg it out as being any particular genre. There you go, it's a big word for me, genre. This is as close as I get, jeans, genre. So anyway, this is called Deliver Your Children. I want two, three, four. Denny Lane, of course. Denny Lane, who has no problem going out and performing Band on the Run in its entirety. Wings was entirely Paul's band, and you're going to go out and play his album. Well, he was a part of that. Yeah, I, I know. It's it's not cover, but you get what I'm saying. I do. But those three people made that album. Yes. It was the three of them in Lagos, Nigeria. And Fila Kuti, who is among the uh, people who are up for nomination. He's not nominated yet, but he's on the list. This is the first time he's been on the list. So I was interested to see that. Huh. I don't know if Paul's effusive comments about him on 321 helped, but there he was. It's like, oh, well, that's kind of cool. Right. <laughs> you know, again, okay, you're going to put Fila Kuti in there, but Wings is not in there? There's just more of a pop sense to Wings' career that I think right now is not fashionable. Who are your influences? Uh, Johnny Mitchell. Uh... Wings. And I think part of that, again, is as we were saying, because you have Linda's voice in there, it tended to take the grit out a little bit. It's not like if he had invited Joan Jett in on these sessions. Yeah, for sure. The backing vocals were softening, as you said. It kind of made the overall sound more mainstream, M-O-R. That, in fact, may have been part of Paul's problem in the immediate post-wings years, where it really was... Paul and Linda, and, you know, whoever else they invited in. Tug of War, Pipes of Peace, Broad Street. Yeah, although that did have a lot of Eric Stewart in it. Yes, Paul can certainly play tremendous guitar, but he seems to have less of a liking for playing a lead if he doesn't have to. (laughs) He'll take the lead if it's something he really wants to play, but otherwise it's like, nah, you do it. Yeah. 10CC was never the hardest rocking of bands either. True. Original motion picture soundtrack has got some pretty crazy stuff on it. But no, they they weren't rocking. They were more experimental. Another thing that Wings has done 
that is part of the landscape today. The whole 76 tour, the Wings Over America show, that was amongst the first really, really big rock shows. You had Pink Floyd. It was roughly contemporaneous with that. Right. But you yourself and Lottie and a number of other people I know who actually made it to the Wings Over America tour, it was like, well, that was the first time I ever really saw a laser light show as part of a rock and roll concert. This is true. There are all sorts of effects. The mist at the beginning and the explosions, live and let die. Well, in the horn section even. Yeah, it was, it was a big show. It's part of a delineating line. And if you're going to talk about influence, there's an influence for you. Makes sense. The 79 tour was probably less so, although none of us actually got to see that. Rockestra. Now, that was kind of an interesting thing. It wasn't hard rocking, but it, it did involve a lot of these people. And in fact, could be viewed as a predecessor to the whole Rock and Roll Hall of Fame jam session type thing. Yeah. I like the Rockestra theme. That's a cool tune. Why haven't I had any dinner? Yeah. <laughs> right. And what was the other one? So glad to see you here. Yeah. Although Back to the Egg is also not a rocking record. No, although he tries. Spin it on and getting closer. Yeah, although it can be argued that that's a little bit more sort of punk than anything else. Yeah, but I'd say that punk is closer to rock and roll than anything else. That Wings was doing, okay. Paul, or, or Paul through the vehicle of Wings, was doing what he had always done. I mean, he would kind of pull back a little bit on the adventurousness once Wings broke up, I think. Or at least he would channel that in other directions. Right. The last work that Wings did was in 79, I think. Wings ended... Or so they say because of the pot bust. They played Capuchia. They played London in support of Back to the Egg. I mean, that was the first time, like, Got to Get You Into My Life entered into the set list. Oh, right. And Let It Be was there. And, you know, it was Paul sort of cracking the wall just a tiny little bit. It's not like it would be a decade later, but he was at least willing to play some Beatles songs at that point. Yeah. So then the world tour got canceled when he got busted how about that can you get much more rock and roll than being busted for pot in japan yeah i guess so he busted in sweden and i mean he's had several arrests well yeah i would say he still probably has the record if we're going to count that as something that is a plus for do you belong in the rock and roll hall of fame yeah that was paul and linda but it was paul and linda under the aegeus of wings right well, okay, put Wings in the Hall of Fame because of the pot bus. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike the professional sports halls of fame, where such things would be considered a negative. Right. But then John was murdered, and, you know, Wings kind of ended with a whimper. I guess that's part of the other question, is the fact that there is no real nice end to the wing story you can't tell a friendly little story that fits on a plaque about the end of wings and while there's certainly some the internecine relationships of a group like fleetwood mac is not there with wings right unless you count jojo lane of course and unfortunately he was taking a drubbing in the critical circles, London Town was not well received, and Back to the Egg was not well received. 
So there was kind of a feeling of a downward movement. The whole of the 80s, for the most part, post-tug of war and pre-Flowers in the Dirt, was nothing but, at least to the popular press, a downward time for Paul McCartney. And it was that period which made Wings look really, really good in comparison. I suppose. You have Broad Street failing, you have an album which doesn't ever actually get completed, the Return to Pepperland thing, and then, you know, you had Pipes of Peace, which, you know, there's there's some good stuff on Pipes of Peace, but to the public at large, Paul was very much in a malaise in the 80s. So, you know, from the perspective of entering the mid-90s, you, you get Flowers in the Dirt, and then you get Flaming Pie, and you get this Beatles awareness with the anthology. I think that's kind of what got his recognition from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 99. Well, you could still look back at the 80s and, and 90s and think of some great McCartney tunes. And perhaps his fandom got to a point where it's like, it doesn't need big radio play. It sold and there was some really good work. Then we're back to the fact that, well, theoretically, sales are only a part of why you're being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Right. And artistically, well, I mean, there's a lot of iffy stuff in the 80s. <laughs> by everybody. <laughs> by Well, by everybody. I mean, <laughs> well, hell, you look at Eric Clapton's album from that era. <laughs> right. Iffy is being polite, I think. Yeah. And, of course, even at the time, it was what took you guys so long. Uh, uh, you remember when he did finally get inducted, uh, Stella, who wore that T-shirt right. about effing time. That's not what it said. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Just with a couple extra letters in there. Yeah. When Paul repaid the favor, he, he took out those extra letters. <laughs> he did something for her, and he showed up in, in a shirt like that. Good old dad. Exactly. Well, and that too, you know, how often did Wings take a drubbing because Paul and Linda took the kids with them. That is not very rock and roll. No, <laughs> for sure it's not. Laying out on the top of the bus, although ironically, the 72 tour was a very rock and roll. Well, I was going to say, you know, it's it's not rock and roll, but it definitely was hippie. It wasn't Stone-style rock and roll, no, but it was uh, the Flower Children were certainly part of the rock and roll world. Yeah. There's a lot of questions about why are wings not really considered more strong? And, you know, I think at this point, it's not going to happen. Realistically, it, they are never going to happen. They'll say, we inducted Paul, we included Paul's wings era when we inducted Paul, and we're not going to induct him again. Yeah, particularly as it moves on, there'll be new artists to be inducted, and someone who's been inducted twice doesn't need a third. Eric Clapton was a fluke. <laughs> Well, let's go another direction. Do the Traveling Wilburys deserve to be inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? They had two records, one which sold very well, and artistically and commercially, you can say that they were that there was some strong output from them as a band. Well, I don't know. Do you induct someone because of their influence? Or do you induct them because they did good work? Because a lot of bands have done good work. I look at someone like the Go-Go's. 
they were groundbreaking. They had some popularity, but honestly, they basically had two really good and noticeable records. And then the rest of it is just, okay, well, that's what they did. I have watched some of the videos going, oh, yeah, I remember that. And there's probably about six songs that I was familiar with. But they certainly didn't really have much of an impact on me personally. I didn't follow their career. You weren't a woman looking to play guitar. I was not their target audience. (laughs) Exactly. So I can't really speak to how much influence they might have had. They may have had an incredible amount of influence. The Velvet Underground sold almost no records, but everybody who bought one of their records started a band. They had this tremendous influence, even though their sales were crappy. So is that it? That's why the rules for induction as an artist in the Rock Hall, even though they're spelled out, they remain very nebulous. Well, the rules are almost as many as the people who vote. Should there be a more strict set of rules, here's what we will consider. I mean, I don't know whether that's what should happen. Maybe to codify it more would be a good thing, but it also may take out the surprise choices. Uh, what's the prop thing you have the most problem with with the rock and roll induction ceremony and with the, the process of them selecting nominees? Well, the, you know, for, first of all, the process is completely opaque to anyone who isn't involved in it. So it's, you know, that could be part of it. And then there's Todd Rundgren who says, screw it, I want no part of that. Induct me all you want, I'm not going to show up. <laughs> Which is funny because he'll show up everywhere else. Yeah, he'll tour rubber soul and revolver across the country. Yeah, right. I mean, I've seen Todd a lot, but some of the best performances were, were with Ringo or some kind of band that Todd played in. So the Wilburys, I mean, do you think they really should be considered? Or do you think the two albums... One without Roy is just not enough depth of material. Do you think the Wilburys influenced anybody? To a certain extent, they did, at least in as much as they got people listening to Dylan and Petty again. And there probably are some people who picked up guitars because of the Wilburys. Again, it's one of those things of, you know, how do you feel about that? They were fun for older people, you know. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's Dylan and Orbison, you know. Younger people are like, who? <laughs> I don't think there's as much influence. So I don't know that I'd put the Wilburys in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I mean, I certainly would put the Monkees in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, without a doubt. I don't disagree. I mean, you know, again, based on who has gotten in, the Monkees qualify. Yeah. They sold records. The TV show was very influential in terms of pop music video, almost as much as, as Help and Hard Day's Night. Again, the influence rolls downhill. In as much as the birds were influenced by Hard Day's Night in Beatles 64. And you talk about a rock and roll story. Here are these four guys who are just four different people come into a project and... It was kind of an old school television production. You do what you're told. You're going to do this, sign that. You go to this public appearance, da da da. And relatively early on, they completely wrested the power away from Don Kirshner and started making their own records. Hello, I'm Meredith Rutledge Borger, assistant curator at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and Museum in Cleveland, Ohio. 
and today I'm talking about Don Kirshner. Don Kirshner was a music executive, producer, he was a partner of Bobby Darren's. He also was very instrumental in putting together the animated group The Archies and the made-for-television group The Monkees. To a lesser extent, Peter Tork, but we definitely have Michael Nesmith to thank for that. Yes, absolutely. But they did that. The other two who were not behind the palace coup certainly went along with it. So did the record company. They changed the whole aspect of that project. So we bring us back around to the topic at hand, <laughs> wings. <laughs> We've taken some diversions. The monkeys were a huge influence on wings. Well, we do have the story, which may or may not be true, which is also a very rock and roll story, that the reason Wings Over America got canceled was because Jimmy McCulloch and David Cassidy apparently got into a fight in France. Scandal. The official story that came out was Jimmy slipped in the bathtub and broke his finger. I remember the broken finger thing. So the official story is that that's, that's what happened, and that's why Wings had to delay the tour now the unofficial story is that well david cassidy was in the same hotel as wings while wings were playing in france and well they started drinking together and jimmy decided that david cassidy wasn't a rock and roll sort of guy we seem to be spending a a fair bit of time on how people act rather than their actual (laughs) musicianship but this is the tabloid show Jimmy and David Cassidy got into a fight. There was certainly some broken glassware and blood around. Now, we have no official record of what happened. No police report was filed. David Cassidy has alluded to it, but never actually said that was what happened. I mean, it doesn't make him look very good. There's not a song? But it is believed his finger actually broke because of this fight and the broken glass. Wow. And slipping on the whatever beverage they were drinking at the time. <laughs> Considering the money that cost Paul, I could see him not being very happy with Jimmy. I, I've learned something new, as well as lovely trousers. Yesterday, Peter Torp uh, said the, the, the gen- genesis of Beatles to Monkeys to Partridge Family. Yeah. And, and we know you're a big Beatles fan, great Monkees fan, and, yeah. and became a friend of theirs, and still do Daydream Believer in your show? I do. I do it as a dedication, um, because Davey and I became friends. And- now I challenge you to get it back to wings. Uh, Susan Day. Susan Day versus Linda McCartney in a keyboard battle of the stars. Wow, you did it. I would say Linda has it. I would actually probably say Linda has it, too. Finger down. Although, Linda, she had a learning curve. Yeah. She was the one in the 72 tour. I can see why some of those guys weren't real happy with having Linda's playing as part of the songs. She really was just learning to play the keyboard. Yeah, having to go from not knowing anything to playing in front of a huge crowd. That's just amazing, you know. Nobody's prepared for that. 
what haven't we talked about that was influential or significant about wings? Recording on a boat, I mean, that certainly has to be considered uh, something, especially since George Martin was considering actually setting up Air Studios on a boat at that point in time. Yeah. How well do you like London Town? It's kind of a half and half record. I would have liked it better had uh, Jimmy actually stayed around for the whole record. Yeah. It's a little bit lightweight. I like it. It just doesn't compel me. (laughs) If I had to rank it, it ends up being probably in the bottom quarter of the McCartney albums. Yeah. It's certainly above Driving Rain. (laughs) Press to play? That's a separate show. We'll we'll do our own rankings on, on another occasion. What else is there about Wings? Wings ended. The next thing to come up, and it came up pretty fast, was coming up. If we're going to keep on with the end of Wings, you know, that whole thing was weird. So before the Japan bust, Paul recorded the majority of McCartney 2 at home. You got the coming up single where you've got the McCartney version on one side and then you've got the Wings version on the other side with one being a hit in England and one being a hit here. And then you have Wonderful Christmas Time. You have a McCartney song with a Wings video. (laughs) yes and that's something we haven't mentioned wings was very big in the development of music video you know they were doing that through the whole of the 70s mike nesmith may have come up with the concept of music television you know with a show called pop clips but there had to be clips for him to pop Of the four, you know, George would occasionally, this is going to be the single, uh, I've got an idea for a video, or the Python guys are around, let's do a video. But Wings actually was dedicated to the craft of music video. Yeah, early on, because George really didn't get into it till 74 or 75, maybe. Yeah, exactly. I mean, McCartney did nothing for the McCartney album, and very little for Ram, music video-wise. But by Wildlife, he was doing those TV specials and all sorts of things. Yeah. I guess, ultimately, what we're kind of saying here, you put all this together, well, when we're not talking about the monkeys. (laughs) Wings has a case to be made for being inducted as artists. Yes, there's a case to be made. Now... Whether anybody is willing to hear that case and consider it, I don't know. I mean, you may be right that they'll never make it in. But, you know, they certainly have a case. I think the only way they might make it in is if they do another, okay, here, we're going to induct a bunch of backing bands again. I mean, you know, the E Street Band by themselves really had very little business being inducted into the Rock Hall other than, well, we've already inducted Bruce. And we're not going to induct Bruce twice, although why they didn't, I don't know. Right. Because certainly Bruce as a solo artist has put out different records than Bruce in the E Street. So I could conceivably see Wings being inducted that way, especially since there is pretty much one lineup of Wings remaining around. (laughs) And of course, Paul would show up and induct them into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because Paul loves that evening. I was just thinking... There are famous jazz musicians who have played with a variety of people, and they're always considered themselves. Someone like you know Stan Kenton will play with a, a group for a while, and then then the group would change. Hendrix did it when uh, you would change it up, and so the fact that 
McCartney has had a variety of bands shouldn't diminish wings. If you had to say yes or no, what would you say? I mean, you know, like I say, I think I'm for a McCartney and wings going into the hall. I am absolutely for wings as the backing band, the rest of wings going in as an act. If they don't want to include Paul fine. I think that they are strong enough separately as the backing group to Paul McCartney, the, they have a strong case, one that should be listened to, and that might conceivably, but probably won't be. So your thoughts on whether that should happen or, or how it could happen. The idea of Wings going in as a an independent act would be hard because it's like, well, put your finger on that. Who is that band? Because that band changed pretty often. But I could see the band with Paul McCartney being inducted because of their impact and their sales. And, you know, you made a case about videos. And so I could see that happening. Well, and if they wanted to go that way, they could conceivably just lump them all together and include uh, lumpy trousers and include the current band, you know, just kind of everyone who's ever backed Paul as Paul McCartney's backing band. (laughs) Right. Youth would show up. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, this this has been a a bit of a uh, wind around here. We we talked about a number of different things. Uh, I think we got to our thoughts on uh, wings and whether wings should be in the rock hall. I th- I think we got it all out. Whether it's in any order that makes any sense, I have no idea. <laughs> we shall see. So we'll be a little bit more organized next week. Uh, I think we're going to be getting back to our uh, BBC series. This is up through the first Pop Go the Beatles show, which takes us through basically early fall of 1963. All right. Very good. Beatles music. We'll be back next week with a new show. Yes. See you then. Subscribe to When They Was Fab on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, or wherever finer podcasts are found. Please join our Facebook group, and we can be reached at When They Was Fab and on Gmail. The opening theme was written, produced, and recorded by Jay Young Kim, Feaster Famine Studios, San Francisco, California. idea of a hall of fame because that's like a sports thing you know you've retired from the game all of your stats are there for everybody to judge and they can measure you against other players um in real terms and 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 not in subjective terms so much and you're done with your career you know but musicians your greatest aspiration is to do it for the rest of your life and so you know this is just like seems like an arbitrary thing where they say okay you're not even done your career but we're going to try and sum it up already i tell you one thing 
there's sickness going on and there's some good people doing work in hospitals but they got no bread to do it on not only are they working in a miserable condition with sick people but they're, they're scraping the barrel for funds to keep going